Welcome to Tiger Paw Radio, the podcast that tackles all the challenges and opportunities of channel convergence. If you provide managed IT, managed print, VoIP, security, or other technology-driven services for your customers, this podcast is for you. Tiger Paw Radio, exploring channel convergence, one stripe at a time. Hey, Wes McDonald here, and I want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of TigerTube. And if you can't see us, if you're listening in, that means you're listening on Tiger Paw Radio. So thank you very much for that. Uh, don't forget to make sure you subscribe down below, like this episode if you're watching on LinkedIn, uh, YouTube, or Facebook, and really appreciate you coming in today. And super excited about uh, my guest today. One of the uh, topics that is huge out there um, is the metaverse. And it's also, I think, one of the, uh, you know, the most uh, misunderstood sort of uh, new technologies or concepts or ecosystems uh, that we have. So really excited uh, to have uh, Giselle Modian today. How are you, Giselle? Doing great. Thank you, Wes. How are you? I'm great. Uh, we first met at a BTA conference, and I got to tell you, the session that you did was my favorite one at the uh, at the meeting, uh, kind of learning about some of these practical things and getting a better understanding of what the metaverse is uh, kind of in reality. And we covered a few things, which I'll get into. But before we go there, maybe introduce yourself for our audience, because nobody knows you better than yourself. Is that right? I'm still trying to figure out if I know myself or not. So we'll, we'll, that's up for debate. All right. Well, my name is Giselle Mota. I am a lot of things. So uh, according to kind of my day job, I'm uh, the chief of product inclusion at a company called ADP. Uh, I also have a project that I'm a part of uh, through my own company called Burst. And that company just helps organizations to launch projects on the metaverse and Web3 and, and really with a focus on inclusion. And the project that I have is called Nifty Collective. And that project is what I talked about at the conference that you attended. And it's uh, all about bringing disability inclusion into Web3 and metaverse. Yeah, and I think it's really important. And I'm certainly going to jump into that a little bit and I'll further into the interview, right? Because I know that there uh, really is uh, a problem with inclusion. I mean, generally in the world, but uh, certainly in the metaverse, it, it's reared its ugly head as well, right? So, um, but before we get there, maybe uh, help uh, describe for our audience what the metaverse, you know, actually is. I know that Facebook changed their name uh, to Meta. Uh, we've seen things out there where you know uh, people are talking about it. But what is it uh, from your perspective? Yeah. So from my perspective, not like a textbook approach, I'll say that it's not very different from what we've been seeing children get into and what we've been following for years and years now. So if you think about your favorite animated film, right? Maybe it's like Avatar or something, right? So even the concept of how you get people to move inside of virtual worlds and everything, you literally, there's a human being that wears these probes or haptics, and it could be, you know, gathering their hand motion, it can be gathering their body motion, and then it animates them into this other virtual world that we get to watch in cinema, right? Uh, so that is an example of kind of like a metaverse and some of the technology that we're using, we're bringing it into now uh, other applications. And another quick example is kids, they play games all the time on these, you know, like PlayStation, uh, you know, uh, Roblox, Minecraft, like Fortnite was a big thing at one point. So all of that is also a version of this virtual experience that now adults <laughs> have been adopting into like places where you can work and interact with somebody on a virtual, you know, space and an immersive space. Or maybe you want to go to a concert and it's in this virtual space. Uh, or you want to play a game in this virtual space, all of that are examples of metaverse. Okay, well, I appreciate that. It actually makes it real for me because one of the games that I'm a 
huge fan of. I don't know if you can see some uh, Star Wars things in the background, um, but it's Star Wars Squadrons, and that is actual uh, virtual reality game in which you put on the headset and you actually sit within the cockpit of your favorite ship. Uh, so for me, it's an A-wing or X-wing, but when you look around um, everywhere, uh, the perspective changes. So I, I I get it from that perspective. It's like I'm in that world and other people playing on headsets. I'm connected with people that are playing on uh, Xboxes, that are playing on PC, that are uh, playing on other consoles. And we're actually communicating together and working together in these uh, starfighters within that reality. Okay. So that for me really brings it home. I love it. You know, the key thing is that we don't only have to enter into a metaverse space using virtual reality goggles. Now there's technologies available where you can have similar experiences like that just from your PC. Uh, so just on the web or just from your mobile device. Yeah, and you did show an example of that uh, at the conference, which I found fascinating. And I took it back to our booth uh, to show the people that I work with how it worked and stuff, and they were blown away as well. And uh, for everyone uh, that's watching or listening, it was actually uh, just a piece of you know uh, cardboard. It looked, you know, it had some writing on it and some different things like any flyer that you would get. But the minute that you turned your phone onto it, hit the QR code, and then flipped it over, it was a three-dimensional world that was actually being displayed through the phone. Yeah, so it was super cool, right? I'm glad you enjoyed it, that augmented reality experience. Yep, for sure. Yeah, it was really neat. It was a good sampler for people to understand, like you said, that it's not just about uh, headsets or, or goggles or those kind of things, right? Yeah. Um, you know, there are those out there that would say the metaverse is simply a trend, right? Here today and gone tomorrow. And I've... I remember a trend like that in the past, uh, my early career, um, I was actually selling corporate internet before it was a thing. And that's how old I am. So businesses did not have web pages. They did not have uh, the internet. And I was trying to convince them, you know, that uh, it was going to change the world. And remember the I phone had, book, the yellow pages and the phone book and the white pages. That's the that's the response I had at every single office I walked into, except for a few, right? So it was... So maybe explain to us, like, is this, you know, for those that think it's a, a passing trend or something like that, what would you say? It's definitely not a passing trend. I think the hype is passing. Uh, so right now it's very um, hypalized if you want to. You could, it's a very, it's, a, it's something that a lot of people are either loving or hating. Or it's a, like kind of a polarized topic. But the technology has been here for years and years. What has been happening is that it's come together for one experience called the metaverse and web three so we've had for a long time augmented reality artificial intelligence virtual realities we have data you know we have uh animation in 3d we have all of those things that have existed this is nothing new right the term metaverse which brings all of these together right all these technology components together into one offering that's not new or that is new and that is going to continue to develop so right now companies are flocking at these experiences and they're investing many many millions of dollars and in the near future it's going to it's supposed to be like upwards in the 30s to 60 something billions uh, of dollars of an industry uh, and many brands are trying to open up stores where for example you'll sell a digital version of your sneaker uh, tommy hilfiger just put out recently this uh, experience where you can put your avatar, you can have an, uh, create an avatar of yourself and dress it with the Tommy Hilfiger clothing. Um, so you can try on different experiences of what you would look like in your avatar form with their clothing. Uh, there are banks that are starting to open up experience. I mean, the list goes on. So this is definitely not going anywhere. It's, it's something that brands are investing in heavily. Yeah, I, I love that you say that it's kind of like bringing all these disparate things that have been around for a while together, right? 
And a friend of mine actually posted an image the other day on social media, uh, which looked like it was from the early 1980s. And it had somebody with a boombox, uh, with a Sony Walkman, with a typewriter, uh, with a phone, oh. with a video camera, and a whole bunch Did of things. We have a pager, a beeper, you know that. Right? <laughs> and, and now it's it's this, right? Like it's yeah. it's all in there. All in so, one. Wow, that's a, that's a really neat way to, you know, to see it, right? And, you know, even for me, I would say that the metaverse uh, sometimes just seems so big and far out there, right? What are, you mentioned a few examples, but what are some simple ways that, you know, maybe companies that are watching this today, um, you know, that they could use it to reach their customers even today? Yeah. By the way, when you said this, in case somebody is what is listening <laughs> you pulled up your mobile device that's right everything is in one mobile device now that was a great illustration just wanted to share that with the audience yeah i love it our listeners are like what is this thing you start what is this cliffhanger <laughs> i just told you all right so i guess you know ways where companies are are leveraging this is they're rethinking what could i have created in a physical space that now can be accessed in a virtual space and one quick example i just mentioned retailers a moment ago Think about what happened during the pandemic. During the pandemic, so many stores were shut down. People, the consumer index and the confidence of wanting to go out and expose yourself to public places and shopping malls, uh, that dwindled down. And so we saw a heavy increase in e-commerce. So there have been trends that lead up to these kind of moments. So now that the pandemic is not at a point where so many people were in lockdown and that that is not something that's existing now but a lot of brands learn from that moment and they're like wait a minute how do we still engage our customers and how do we give them immersive experience about the physical items that we sell not just having to see it online but how can we like get them to feel like if they can turn it around in a 360 view they can look at it in different angles they can try it on on their bodies and see what this would look like right they can try different colors they can try you know so how do you do that and they flock to something called the metaverse and so they started making virtual uh and digital assets of like the physical pieces of clothing or sneakers or sunglasses or watches or you name it this is just an example and then now people are able to experience this without having to shop in person right and so now that brands are still noticing okay well people are going back to stores but this doesn't have to go away we're still going to merge this digital and physical experience together so a digital experience if you would <laughs> And then we're gonna let people still experience, like you can customize something online virtually, or you can experience it then. And then you can even now go into the store or receive it you know, to your home physically and still enjoy that product. So we're gonna see more of that happening. I, I predict that that's gonna be what's happening, that organizations are gonna keep finding out ways, how can you embed some virtual experiences of physical experiences that we would have had otherwise. So that's gonna keep going. Yeah, my wife's a retailer, so I totally get it, right? And, uh, you know, the pandemic obviously shut down, you know, her store for a long time. And, and the person that helped her actually get that e-commerce site uh, up and running and, you know, really growing her Instagram account to be able to give customers that experience of almost being there. Right. And, you know, the other thing I can uh, think of is Google Maps is another example, right? Where, you know, in the old days, you could just do the street view. Mm -hmm. I kind of get an idea of what it, it looks like kind of around uh, the space. But now if you're willing to pay a videographer as the right equipment yes. you can let people walk right through your doors into your store yes and actually have that virtual experience of you know being in the space and being able to look closer at one rack or another or 
Yeah, yeah that's really cool. Absolutely. I think that they probably even adopted that from real estate. Same thing during the pandemic, people were, you know, figuring out how do we do this like touchless experience and how can we and and they were already starting to figure out like virtual showcases like sure. of, of homes and properties, but that expanded even more. So now we're seeing even retail, uh, excuse me, real estate uh, tap into the same opportunities. Yeah, really cool. And, and I have seen a, a couple of those things where you can actually go floor level uh, yeah. by floor level as if you're walking, you know, through the home, etc. Right. So yeah, yeah, really neat. Well, I, I think that certainly makes it feel a little less big and far out, at least for me. And one of the things I want to talk about, you talked about inclusion, right? And I think that they're, uh, you know, just like the rest of the world, we've always had a diversity and inclusion problems. Uh, I think we're getting better, but we have so much work to do. But I think there's a, you know, a danger of that that's inherent in the metaverse, right? And you mentioned that when I saw you speak and it, it really got me thinking, right? Um, so what can, like, is that a reality? And what are some of the factors that cause that reality? And then the second part, what can we all do to make that a little better? Yeah, it's absolutely a reality. Uh, unfortunately, even in the physical world and in our physical experiences, we often design with able-bodied people in mind without thinking about those who, who might not be able to physically uh, access certain spaces and experiences the way we would. And that's everything from, uh, I give an example a lot that I went to a conference and I was speaking at this hotel and you would think that even going up to the counter at the hotel would be something that was like an accessible experience for people. I'm not very short, but I'm not very tall either. And I went up to this counter and I found myself having to get on my tippy toes to just check in and talk to the talk to the uh, people at the front desk and i imagined immediately because i have friends who have dwarfism or um you know and i have other friends who are in wheelchairs how awkward and uncomfortable would it be for them to have to go up to this counter in this physical space and you know have to flag somebody's attention because all they're trying to do is like check in to their hotel room right and yes there's accessibility rooms available in hotels but even the thought of creating such a high counter at this luxury you know hotel experience that should have been thought of so imagine the physical space uh, and now imagine digital spaces where people are literally designing digital spaces where it's art galleries it's offices it's uh you name it people are creating all these like you know uh in uh, virtual experiences where then you can go and enjoy that so we have to also design with people in mind of how would you, how would it feel for someone who is in a wheelchair and maybe was born without arms and legs to go into an experience and see that there's stairs even there right in this experience where they're trying to get around the room or perhaps they would have the choice and they could if they wanted to be like an able-bodied individual and why not because you can experience something new and freeing if you so choose um but how cool would it be for you to be able just to teleport around spaces, um, no stairs. Um, and if there were like, even embedding accessibility, like ramps and different things like that inside of these spaces. So I think in summary, I think that we have to bring people with disabilities into the design process when we're even designing for the metaverse. Um, and not just disabilities, but like I told you about avatars. When we first started yeah. seeing a bunch of people create avatars, a lot of them were obviously trained on one body type and one race and ethnicity type. Uh, when I went to go try to like try on some different avatars and do things, it was like giving me a very tall and slim 
persona with very straight hair and it and it had like one body type of a woman instead of like i'm not that i'm an afro latina with big curly hair <laughs> I ha i'm a little shorter and stoutier you know like that's stockier and curvier and the, and like so there wasn't an avatar that looked like that for me and now we're seeing with time more evolution of for race ethnicity gender uh sexual orientation uh disabilities like we're starting to see a little bit more in that and there's a long way to go in the metaverse yeah, it, it just reminded me, actually, I'm, I'm always thinking video games, uh, you know, when I think of these virtual things, right? And my my son, uh, Lucas, uh, he's in university now, and he's actually studying, you know, software design, right? And one of the inspirations that he, 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 he uses is from a game that he played when he was a kid called Spore. I don't know if you remember that game, but it was, you were basically creating all of these different creatures that were, you know, involved in the world that you were creating. And it did have all that stuff, right? Different body types, different heads, different colors, uh, even different types of feet and hands or wings or other things, right? So, yeah. you know, it was a lot of fun to be able to take all those elements and say, how do I want that to be? You know, is it bigger, taller, skinnier, you know, whatever, right? And and I think that is so important. And it just got me thinking that even in the Star Wars game that I told you, I love squadrons, right? You actually get to build your character out. Yeah. Um, but the one thing you don't get to choose is body types. Mm -hmm. So yeah that's a miss right yeah it is absolutely and i think it's funny because we're expecting and through any product that we're asking people to use we're expecting that end user to just kind of fit into something who came up with that design who did you invite diverse people onto the team to ask them did you do advisory groups and ask people on the outside what should our characters look like what should these spaces be like and i think uh there's a there's a saying in the disability community that's like it, nothing with us or nothing for us without us. And so right. it has to, if it's going to be for somebody, you should definitely bring those people to the table and have them like give the weigh in on input. And, and there's no tech uh, technological impediment to stop that from happening, right? I was thinking what you said too about the idea that, you know, maybe you do have choices. Maybe it is to be an able-bodied person in the virtual reality. Maybe it is to be able to float around as if, you know, gravity wasn't a concern. And maybe if you're in a wheelchair, maybe that's the way you want to experience that virtual reality as well. And you should be able to have the choice yes. because there is no technological, you know, a thing that stops developers from being able to do that. So, wow, that's really cool. I appreciate that. And hopefully everyone listening or watching um, that if you are working on these kinds of things to make sure that you take those, you know, um, you know, different ability questions into concern to make sure that people are, that they can be included in these experiences no matter what, right? Correct. And the one thing that is an impediment for developers is the way they've rigged the avatars and the way they've rigged their spaces. So from the beginning, the rigging or like kind of the structural components of how you make things move and work in, in these environments wasn't created with people with disabilities in mind. So it doesn't always recognize what they call a humanoid. And so a humanoid would have, for example, the skeletal rigging would be like a circle for the head or a dot here for the head. Then it identifies where the chin is and identifies where the arms are and the elbows and the joints. And then that's how something is able to rig and be animated and move in these in these spaces. And so since it wasn't originally designed that way and everyone's been following the same pattern, now it's hard for you to put in, for example, one of our characters that doesn't have arms because they're limb different, doesn't have legs and is in a wheelchair. It won't identify that individual as a humanoid. So we are working on, uh, you know, with different groups and platforms to try to start changing that so that we can start bringing in people with all sorts of different body types and, and disabilities into these spaces. 
Yeah, one of the uh, things I'm actually writing a blog on right now is tech debt, right? This idea, and and you raise that that even within software development and the way that they have these, you know, frameworks, you know, designed to be able to represent people. That's that's interesting to know that we have that tech debt and it's holding us back, right? Yes. Wow, that's great. Hey, listen, in respect for your time and for everyone that's that's watching and listening, um, we're at the point in the interview now where I asked what I like to call the impossible question. Um, yes which is if you only had one piece of advice, like a single piece of advice for uh, solution providers and other folks offering technology out there when it comes to the metaverse um, and taking advantage of that, what would it be? Mm. Be responsible and ethical. And in that, there's so much I could say. So it's gonna be about really like thinking about and just kind of in plain English, just think about all the users and the impact that your technology is gonna have on all those users. I love it. That is absolutely the best advice. And I cannot thank you enough for uh, taking time out of your day to, you know, to be able to share this with our audience. And for everyone that's watching or listening in, thank you once again. And until next time, remember, keep learning. And so we come to the end of another exciting episode of Tiger Paw Radio. If you'd like to listen to more great learning content to help you grow your business, please be sure to visit www.tigerpod.com and click on the resources tab. You can also subscribe to your favorite podcast platforms to be sure you never miss another episode. And until next time, keep learning, keep growing, and keep that inner tiger strong.